Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 279, How to Become Indistractable with Nir Eyal. Do you know that today, in this time and age, we get more input in a single day than someone who would have in their entire lifetime if they lived in the 1500s? Input, another way to look at that, is distraction. We are distracted so, so much. And I believe that distraction is the thing that is not only getting in the way of just our to-dos, but our lives. I don't know about you, but I feel that distraction pull almost every minute of every day between my smartphone calling to me or the request for my kids to interrupt what I'm doing around the house to the endless chores and home to-dos. There's always a tug to pull away from what I'm doing to do something else. In my last uh, challenge I did for the organization overhaul, I heard a woman describe herself as a ping pong ball, going every which way, bouncing all over her home on her way to get things done. And I thought that was the perfect description to describe what many of us feel, that we are just being bounced around constantly. And if this is you too, I have the best news ever. Nir Eyal is on the show. He wrote an entire book on distraction called Indistractable. And I read every single word of it. And and I think you know that I read a lot of books and a lot of self-help books too. But this one, this is the one that is going to stick with me for a very long time because it was equal parts educational and doable, which you know I'm all about. So while Nier's knowledge on distraction is both intimidating and super expansive, we're going to spend today more 
talking about what distraction is all about and helping you unpack why you're getting easily distracted, plus some simple ways you can work to becoming indistractable so that you are living life on your terms. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. In my years of podcasting and learning and educating on personal development, time and time again, it's like it's been beating over my head that the thing that will help us either be that person we want to be or inhibit us being that person is our habits. And it really can come down to what we do and how often we do them and how easily we do them. Our habits are so important. A quick example on this In January, 2020, I was going through my year and thinking about how I wanted to change so, so many things. And over and over again, I realized I could change those things if I changed one other thing. And that's how I was managing my time, which also led to some more habits to help support that management. When we work on our habits, we can change who we are. And if you are vacillating between all or nothing and procrastination, with your habits. I want to help you better form them so that they stick because that's the number one problem with habits is that it's so hard to get them ingrained and natural and to be able to do them without using energy. So we don't, we don't have to think twice about them. If you want help creating habits that stick, join my free online class. I'm teaching three sessions of it next week. It's called how to make habits that stick in it. I'm going to help you uncover three reasons why your habits aren't sticking and how you can instead form them in ways that so that they last. Again, it's free and I do have replays that go out if you can't make it live, but I highly, highly encourage you to do whatever you can to make it live because that is where the real change is going to happen. You can sign up by going to aboutprogress.com slash free class. That's um, linked in the show notes for you as well. But again, go to aboutprogress.com slash free class. I won't be teaching free classes again for a while. So I'd love to have you take part and I will see you there. Okay, it's about time for us to dig into our interview with Nir. Two quick things about that. One, this is a longer episode than I normally do. And the reason why is because every single word that we discussed in our time together could not be edited out. I know that you are all going to be hanging on to every word like I was while I chatted with Nir. And second, and related to that, wow, this was just chock full of information At the end of every interview I do, I share progress pointers, which are basically my notes from the episode, so you don't have to take them. This one's going to be a lot. So at the end, make sure you listen to the progress pointers, and I'll give you a way for you to also have access to them as a downloadable printable, so that way you can retain all the information you're going to learn today and refer to them in the future. All right, let's dig in with Nir. So my name is Nir Eyal. I am a behavioral designer and I taught many years uh, at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and then later at the Hassel Planner Institute of Design. And I taught a class uh, which turned into a book around how to build habit forming products. So uh, the class was basically about the consumer psychology around how products are designed to get you hooked. And that's the title of my first book, Hooked. 
Uh, and the idea was not to benefit the video gaming companies and the social networks. They've known these techniques for decades. My idea was that we could democratize these techniques so that all sorts of products could be made better by making them more habit forming. So for example, uh, one of the companies I profile in the book uh, is the Bible app. Right, it's a company oh. that's made by a, a church that wanted to make a product that people would engage with habitually. Uh, another product is Fitbod, uh, an app that gets people hooked to exercise. Uh, one of the biggest education companies on the planet, a company named Kahoot, uh, was founded using the principles in my book to get wow. kids hooked onto online learning. So there's a popular misconception that somehow I helped Facebook and the gaming companies build their products. And that's not, that's not right at all. My book came out in 2014. These companies were founded years prior. What I wanted to do was to kind of share their secrets so that we could build more engaging products and services. Now, uh, a few years after I wrote Hooked, I found that, uh, that, that I had a, a new problem myself, which was that mm -hmm. I had gotten hooked to some of these technologies that many of us find very distracting, uh, yeah. whether it's our cell phones or the television, the news, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right? We find that sometimes it's very difficult for us to do what we say we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think the seminal moment when I, I really had to, I knew I had to reconsider my relationship with distraction came when I was with my daughter one afternoon and we had this, uh, this, this beautiful day plan, just some quality day daughter time. And we had this book of activities that dads and daughters could play together, you know, build a paper airplane. Uh, there was a crossword puzzle. And there was also this question. The question was, if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you want? And I remember the question verbatim, but I can't tell you what my daughter said. Because yeah. in that moment, uh, I got distracted. I started looking at my phone yeah. as opposed to being there with my daughter. And she mm -hmm. got the message I was sending, which was whatever was on my phone was more important than she was. <laughs> she left the room. And by the time I looked up from my phone, she was gone. And she went to go play with some toy outside. And if I'm honest with you, it wasn't just with uh, my daughter that I was distracted. I was distracted when I would sit down at my desk at work and I would say I was going to do one thing and I would do everything but. Uh, it would happen when I said I was going to exercise and I wouldn't. It would happen when I would say I was going to eat right and I didn't. And so that's when I decided, you know, if I could have any superpower, the superpower I would most want would be the power to be indistractable. And that's why I say that I think becoming indistractable is the skill of the century. Uh, I don't know anybody who doesn't struggle <laughs> with distraction. And so I really wanted to conquer this for myself. I spent the past five years writing this book wow. because I face this problem more than anybody. Right? Like mm -hmm. I've never had a lot of self-control and willpower. In fact, I used to be clinically obese. Uh, and it was very much a similar struggle that I had with technology that I used to have with food. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted, I wanted a, a, a methodology to help me simply live out my values so that I could be the person I know I could become. That last phrase right there, that is our language here. That is the mission and the heart of what we do. It's being who you want to be. And, and the way you do that is so many things that are, it's a combined of, you know, in the interior, what's going on inside and the exterior, which is why I loved your book so much because you Thank weren't you. just talking about like, here's the fix it's, you know, Although you do do a lot of that, but it's more of let's start where it really counts. And we're going to dig into that. But first I wanted to talk about distraction. Um, sure. There's a lot of fear around it and I get it because it's so easy to fall into that pit of, mm -hmm. of distraction. And I love that too, about who you are and what you do is that you like own it. Like I wrote this 
because I'm just like you. <laughs> and this is hard. <laughs> so first let's start talking about distraction. Is it new? And uh, why do we fall for it so easily? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the best place to start is to really understand what that word means. Uh, and I didn't understand it uh, when I first started studying this. And I, I think the best way to understand what distraction is, is to understand what distraction is not. So most people would think, I used mm -hmm. to think the opposite of distraction was focus. Yeah. But that's not true. That in fact, if you look at the opposite of the word, uh, the opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction mm -hmm. is traction. Yeah. That both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And you'll also, also notice that both words end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. Mm -hmm. So traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you say you're going to do. Things that are in accordance with your values and help you be the kind of person you want to become. Mm -hmm. Those are acts of traction. The opposite of traction it's right there in the word, is distraction. Distraction is any action that pulls you away from what you plan to do, anything that is not in accordance with your values, anything that pulls mm. you away from becoming the kind of person you want to become. So this okay. isn't just semantics. This is actually really important because it, it, it gives us very uh, two very important insights. Number one, any action can become a distraction. Let me give you a great example. I would mm. sit down at my desk at work and I would say, okay, I've got that big project that I need to do, right? I've been, I have that thing that I've been procrastinating on. This morning, I am gonna do it. Nothing's gonna get in my way. I, I, I'm not gonna let myself get distracted. I'm just gonna work on that project. Here I go, I'm gonna get started right away. I'm gonna do it right now. But first, <laughs> let me just check some email real quick, yeah. right? Let me just do that one thing on my to-do list. That, gotta uh, research. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, research. Oh my goodness, mm -hmm. I used to do so much research. That's so important, I gotta do that right now. <laughs> And I would mm. fool myself okay. into prioritizing the easy tasks and the urgent tasks yeah. at the expense of the important tasks. And so this is why I say that any action can become a distraction because if it's not what you plan to do, it is a distraction by its very definition. Even if it's productive, right? Oh, I got to check email. I got to do that research. I'm trying to be a good citizen. Let me just check the news real quick. If it's not what you plan to do, even if it feels productive, yeah. it's just as much of a distraction as playing a video game or whatever else uh, you think distracts people. And along those lines, just like anything can be a distraction, anything can be traction. So I think we hear a lot in the media these days about how uh, technology is hijacking your brain, how it's addictive, how it's melting mm -hmm. everybody's mind. And that stuff is not true. It's not scientific. And it's not helpful because, look, we, we, we can't just stop using these tools, right? I'm not some university professor in an ivory tower that says, oh, just stop using these tools. If you stop using these tools, many of us will get fired. And mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, talk about how thankful we should be during this time of, of COVID to have these amazing technologies. Can you Absolutely. imagine going through this crisis without the internet? We would no. really lose our minds <laughs> without You're being right. able to connect with people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the idea here is not to vilify these technologies. This, is, this stuff isn't going away and it doesn't need to go away. We shouldn't just stop using them. We should use them with intent. You see the difference between traction and distraction is one word. That one word is forethought. <laughs> the time you plan to waste is not wasted time. If you want to go 
on Netflix or uh, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is you want to do with your time. There's no moral hierarchy. Why is watching football on TV somehow morally superior to playing a video game? It's not. <laughs> They're both pastimes. There's nothing wrong with either. As long as you use these tools on your schedule, not some media company schedule, not some tech company schedule, but your schedule. So indistractable is not about a digital detox and stop using your technology. No, it's silly. In fact, I tried that. I tried to, yeah. I got rid of my cell phone and I got myself <laughs> this flip phone from the 1990s yep. uh, with no internet connection, just make and receive calls. I also got myself this word processor that had no internet connection so that I, you know, nothing would distract me. And guess what? I still got distracted. <laughs> Even without the internet, I would say, oh, okay, now I'm going to work. I'm going to work on this word processor with no internet connection. Uh, but, oh, you know what? There's that book that I've been meaning to, to look into. I should probably do some research in that book. Or, oh, my goodness, my desk needs some tidying up. Let, let me just clean up my desk. Or look at the trash. I should probably take the trash right now. And I would still distract myself because here's yes. the thing. Distraction is nothing new. Hmm. Plato talked <laughs> about distraction 2,500 years ago, 2,500 years before the internet. The yes. Greek philosopher Plato was complaining about, boy, isn't the world such a distracting place? Look <laughs> at everybody getting so distracted these days yeah. because of the technology of the written word. You know, <laughs> like literally they said that the written word was going to, in the words of Socrates, enfeeble men's minds. So we have always been blaming technology hmm. for doing stuff that we do to ourselves. And so what we need to do is realize that these things are tools. We don't have to stop using them. We just need to learn how to use them in a way that serves us as opposed to us serving them. Absolutely. I think that takes a lot of the shame and guilt and fear away that in, instead, you know, perpetuates that cycle, yeah. the all or nothing cycle that a lot of us can get into with technology. Um, but at the same time, we do, like you said, moving into forethought and intention that takes practice too. And that takes some skills as well. So let's kind of talk about that too. Um, before we talk about the exterior, those stuff, because that's where people want to go first. They're like looking at Pinterest, how to get control of my Instagram obsession or addiction, you know, and then they have a whole list of things to do and still they find themselves back at it. You know, um, I just did that. I took a month off Instagram and it was awesome. And I've taken many breaks. I did that more for my mental health, you know, not because Instagram's the devil, yeah. but anyway, I still, like you said, found myself suddenly reading the news a lot more than I was before. Um, in times past, there were a lot more Amazon packages that showed up to our house when I've taken a break. So let's still go to the heart of it. Where should people start instead of just going right to the tactics, although those are important, where should they start? Yeah, great question. Okay, so now that in your mind you can say, okay, I've got traction and I have distraction, and those are diametrically opposed. And in the center are our actions. Like our, our actions are neutral. It, it's based on what we decide to do that makes those actions traction or distraction. Anything that we got plan it. to do with intent, that is traction. Everything else is mm -hmm. distraction. Now, the next question is, well, what drives our actions? What mm -hmm. prompts us to attraction or distraction? We have two triggers. We have what we call external triggers and we have what we call internal triggers. I'll get back to the internal triggers in a second. Okay. External triggers, these are the usual suspects, the pings, the dings, the rings, anything in your outside environment that leads you towards traction or distraction. It's not that external triggers are always bad, right? If you sure. get a notification on your phone that says, oh, it's time for that call with your parents. It's time for the exercise you said you, would, or you were going to yeah. do. It's time to have lunch with your kids, whatever it is. 
if the external trigger is serving you, it's leading you towards traction. If it's leading you to, towards anything else, that's not what you said you would do. Like for example, when I was with my daughter and uh, my phone buzzed and I picked up my phone as opposed to being with someone I love very much, now that's a distraction because that's not what I plan to do with my time. Mm -hmm. So those are external triggers. And there's a lot we can do to do what I call hack back the external triggers. And we can get back to that in a minute. There's a lot of very practical techniques that we can use. But it turns out, what you know, I think one of the biggest surprises for me Originally, I, I, I thought I was going to write a book about how to hack back all these external triggers and get rid of all these potential distractions that I just you know, may, thought was synonymous with all of these external triggers. And I didn't realize that the number one source of distraction, the root cause of more distractions than all the distractions that come from external triggers combined, are not the things that are happening outside of us, but rather what is happening inside of us. Wow. That most distraction <laughs> begins from within. And these are called internal triggers. What are internal triggers? Internal triggers are uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape from. <laughs> you see, all procrastination, all distraction, it's not a character flaw. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken in any way. It's simply that you don't have the tools to deal with emotional discomfort in a healthier manner because all distraction and procrastination is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort. Okay? <laughs> in fact, all human behavior, all human behavior is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort. We wow. call this the homeostatic response. So for example, if you go outside and it's cold, your brain says, oh, that's not comfortable. You should put on a coat. And when you come back inside, now it's too warm. The brain says, oh, that's not comfortable. Take it off. If you feel hunger pangs, you eat. And if you eat too much, oh, now you feel stuffed. That doesn't feel good. So you stop eating. So those are physiological responses to discomfort. And that guides our behavior. The same rule applies to our psychological reaction. So for example, what website do we visit when we're feeling lonely? Hmm. Check Facebook right? Yeah. Or Instagram, mm -hmm. some other social network. When we're uncertain, where do we go? Well, we Google it, of course. And what about when we're feeling bored? Oh my goodness. So many products to help deal with that uncomfortable sensation of boredom, right? Oh, let me just turn on the news so I can hear about somebody's problem halfway around the world. So I don't have to worry about my own problems for a few minutes. Uh, whether it's watching sports or Pinterest or well, you know, uh, stock prices, you, you name it, lots and lots of products cater to this internal trigger of boredom because we don't like to feel those things. So here's the thing, whether it's too much news, too much booze, too much football, too much Facebook, all distraction begins from a desire to escape discomfort. So if we don't deal with these internal triggers, first and foremost, yeah. this is the first step to becoming indistractable. If we don't deal with that first, None of the life hacks, none of the tips and tricks, none of the little productivity uh, guru's advice will work unless we understand what is the internal trigger we are trying to escape from. Mm. And then how can we deal with it in a healthier manner that leads us towards traction rather than distraction? So that's step one, mastering the internal triggers. You know, ironically, it's also very uncomfortable to face you know, head on what that discomfort really is. A lot of people don't really want to spend the time to think like, oh, I'm, I don't have like a problem with Instagram itself. I have a problem with my own security. Like, I don't really like myself very much. I don't like to be alone with my thoughts. And that's not really pleasant to have to face that. It's so to, true. And it, it, 
it's very, very uncomfortable because it's so much easier. You know, I'll go back to, to my story when I was clinically obese. Mm. Uh, I wanted nothing more than to blame McDonald's <laughs> and Nestle and uh, Mars and Coca-Cola. I wanted to blame them for doing it to me. Yeah. But that wasn't really why I was overweight. I was mm. obese because I was eating my feelings. Yeah. Right. I yeah. was looking for escape because when I was bored, I would eat. When I was lonely, I would eat. When I felt guilty for overeating, I would eat. Yeah. And we do the same thing with our distractions. It's always about a desire to escape discomfort, but that can also be very empowering because instead of thinking that we are addicted and that it's hijacking our brains and there's nothing we can do about it, which is what the media tells you, because guess what? They're in the same business, yeah. whether you're watching CNN or Fox News or the New York Times, it doesn't matter. Every media company, guess what? They're in the same business as Facebook. They sell your attention to advertisers. And you know what gets your attention better than anything else in the world? Fear. Hmm. That's what they use, right? I know. I wrote the book Hooked. <laughs> I know exactly yeah. the psychology. Yeah. So when they use that fear of it's addicting you, it's hijacking your brains, what they're doing is they're teaching you what we call learned helplessness. Because when I'm addicted to something, I can't do anything about it. It's outside my control. It's biological. And that's not true. Because these tools that we think are addicting us, for the vast majority of people, now some people are addicted, okay? Just like with alcohol, alcohol is highly addictive, much more addictive than video games and Facebook, right? But is everybody who has a glass of wine with dinner an alcoholic? Of course not. There are some people who are alcoholics, and there's a number of reasons why, but it's single-digit percentages. Yeah. So it's ridiculous to think that everybody is addicted to video games and social media. That's not true. We say that because it makes us feel better because then we don't have to do anything about it. But when we look at it realistically, that this isn't an addiction for the vast majority of us, you know what it is? It's a distraction. Yeah. But distraction we can do something about. But of course, oh man, no, I got to do something. That's no it fun. Takes work. <laughs> yeah, it takes work. It's easier to just pretend it's someone else's problem or it's not our fault. Um, and it's not to say like we need to hate ourselves. Say, yeah. Right, I, I do want to say real quick, I'm so sorry to interrupt. It, it, this isn't your fault. Okay. Yes. This is very important yeah. to understand. It is not your fault. You didn't invent Facebook. You didn't <laughs> invent Instagram. You didn't invent these things. They're not your fault. But you know what? A lot of things in life are not your fault, but they are still your responsibility. <laughs> Because if we want the good aspects of these technologies, right? If we want the way they connect us to each other, if we want the fact that we get, you know how many friends I would have no connection with because I moved across the country and I had to yeah. say goodbye to them. I mean, these technologies are miracles. If you would have told me, yes. you know, when I was a kid that I would be talking to you right now, I'm in Singapore, you're in Utah, we're talking for free across Crazy. thousands of miles. It's amazing. It's yeah. science fiction. But if we want all those those benefits, the price of progress is that, you know what? We need to learn some new skills and they're actually not that hard once, once we understand how to become indistractable. Yeah. I appreciate that so much in the book too, just like the science behind this. I loved how you talked about how they moralized the radio coming out and the printing press, you know, people, you know, blaming it for the destruction of the youth and, and people. So it kind of is freeing in a way because then you can look at it a little bit differently, reframe it, but also take more action on it. Let's take a quick break here. Um, one thing I loved in the book, you said, you can't say you're distracted. This is from my memory. Sorry. So if this might not be word for word, but you can't say you're distracted unless you know what you're distracted from. 
and that's going back to did I okay a few times in my life some quotes just (laughs) stick right there near and that was one of them um you know what can you go down this track with me for just a moment I have a lot of listeners who are mothers and they feel like their life is hijacked in in some ways because of the nature of their work of needing to be reactive to the needs around them. And that kind of is a, is a complicated um, environment. Well, it is for everybody right now, but let's just go down this track a little bit. How can, you know, women, especially, and especially the moms get to these roots of distraction while also, you know, knowing that's part of the nature of their, their season right now is having to be more reactive. Absolutely. And look, you know, I thought the book was relevant uh, before COVID. I think because of COVID, it's become even more relevant. For, I for two absolutely big agree. Yeah. yeah I, I, the, number one, there are more of these internal triggers with more uncertainty and fear in the world. We feel uncomfortable more often, right? The world is suddenly a much scarier place and there are much, there's so much more uncertainty around what we should be doing every day that for many people, if they don't know how to deal with those internal triggers in a healthy way, they deal with it by looking for more distraction, right? Or yeah. how many times can we check the news? How many times can we scroll Twitter looking for answers when the answers aren't there? The answers are yeah. oftentimes in our heads. We just need to sit and think about it without distraction. Yeah. So one, I think there's there are more of these internal triggers bubbling up. And the second thing that I think has happened is that the structure that used to be in our lives has evaporated. So it used to be you'd wake the kids up, get them fed, get them to school, uh, sit in traffic, go to the office, have lunch, have your meetings. That structure in our day for many of us is is gone. Uh, uh, there, there, I just saw an article a couple of days ago that um, on uh, that Google right now is experiencing a record number of people searching for the term, what day is it, right? Wow. <laughs> people cannot keep track. And, and wow. I understand, right? Like the days just kind of flow together and where am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to do? Because that structure is gone. Hmm. Now, the good news is we can impose that structure for ourselves. We don't need the boss to tell us what to do. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not children, right? We're not babies. We can impose that structure. And I know many people resist this because they think, oh, my life is so chaotic. You don't understand. I'm a busy parent. I have so many demands on me. I need to be always available all the time, mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. And what they don't realize is that that is the fear of actually having to do what you say you're going to do expressing itself. Yeah. That's the fear that you may actually have to exercise because you said you wanted to exercise. It's the fear of I may actually sit down and read a book and tell my kid I can't talk to them right now because I said I was going to read a book. It's the fear of having to do the things that you yourself said you were going to do because it's so easy to say, well, this and this happened. Okay. Yeah. And, and I get that. Lots of unforeseen things happen once. Once. Poelo Coelho said, that a mistake repeated more than once is a decision. I think that's such a great quote. <laughs> if something distracts you once, you get a free pass. Why does it distract you the second time and the third time and the fourth time? It doesn't it then become predictable? So the difference between a distractible person and an indistractable person is that an indistractable person understands why they got distracted and they do something to fix it because there are only three reasons for every single distraction in the world. It's either an external trigger, an internal trigger, or a planning problem. That's it. There are only three potential reasons. So a distractible person keeps 
doing the same things day after day, just like I used to do, complaining about getting distracted without actually fixing the problem. And every one of these problems is in fact fixable if it happens more than once, right? If it, you know, an alien comes from outer space, that's unexpected. <laughs> Sitting in traffic or, uh, you know, your kid interrupting you, that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we can get that. So, so the idea here, and, and you, just to go back to what you said earlier, is that, that uh, you cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. And so one of the most well-studied uh, techniques uh, in the psychology community for doing what you said you're going to do, for achieving your goals, for making sure that you live with personal integrity and live according to your values is called making an implementation intention, which is just a very fancy way that psychologists use to describe planning out a calendar. It's as simple as that. Deciding in advance how you want to spend your time and how you want to spend your time needs to be based on your values. Now, what yes. does that mean? What are values, right? I, I didn't actually know the definition of values. The definition of values are attributes of the person you want to become. Values are attributes of the person you want to become. Wow. So it's about the promise you are going to make to yourself. So a lot of us, you know, we, we, we talk the talk, right? We say we want to be good friends or uh, sons and daughters or good parents. But then when it comes to is that time on our calendars, not so much, right? We say we want to make time for prayer. We say we want to make time for meditation or, or physical health, right? But do we plan ahead? Is that time in our calendars? For most people, it isn't. We just, you know, maybe some people put on a to-do list, which by the way, we can get into in a minute, why to-do <laughs> lists are horrible for your yeah. personal productivity, why it's much better to have what we call a time box calendar because only when you know how you plan to spend your time can you say you got distracted. Because if you don't have a calendar with how you want to spend your time, everything is a distraction. You can't say you got distracted if you don't know what you got distracted from. You know, the time boxing thing, I, I think it works, but not in the way people are thinking it can, especially, you know, I am primarily a stay-at-home mom. So my time boxing might mean I have a three-hour time period where I know kids is my focus. Yes. Kids. Yes you know, that's it. And underneath that, there's a whole, you know, realm of, uh, to do's or tasks sure. I need to do, but that's my focus. And then I have other few hours with work. And then again, the tasks underneath that, it's more about rhythms, you know, that's right. And it is like Beautiful. eight to eight thirty. this very specific only check email. I think people get too rigid with what that can look like. Um, I right. love that we're talking about some ways to like, you know, hack, hack things back, hack back those triggers. Yeah. So implementation yeah. intention, what are some other ways for people to start on this when they're like, I'm at the beginning, I'm at the baseline, yeah. where do I go? Yeah, so what we wanna do is to turn our values into time. Uh, and the way we do that is we start with these, these concentric circles of our values. And so okay. you know, a lot of people get hung up with this technique of, well, what are my values? Then maybe I should make a vision board and what's my five-year plan and don't do that, okay? Let's just start with tomorrow. And what we want to ask ourselves is how would the person I want to become spend their time tomorrow? Again, values are active to the person you want to become. Yes. So how would the person I want to become spend their time tomorrow? Okay. So we start with the you domain. You are at the center of these three domains. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. You can't make the world better. You have to take care of yourself first. So how much time would the person you want to become spend on themselves? Given all the other stuff you have to do, 
What is important to you? Do you have time in your calendar for prayer, meditation, uh, reading, uh, exercise, whatever it is that's important to you? It's not up to me or anyone else to tell you what your values should be. What I want to help you do is to make sure that you have those values on your calendar so that you follow through and actually do become the person you want to become. The next domain is your relationships. So as opposed to just saying, oh yeah, I'll check in with my friends, I'll see how my parents are doing, what's up with my siblings, I want you to put that time in your calendar. You know, we are going through a loneliness epidemic in this country uh, because people don't reserve time for the important people in their lives. So get into that habit, no matter what it is that you want to do to live out your values. And I'm, again, I'm not saying you have to call your parents every week, but if something like that is important to you, checking in on your best friend, put that time in your calendar. One of the good things, this one of the few silver linings of this whole COVID crisis is that people actually are using Zoom to have regular check-ins. Yeah, and to reserve actually that connect, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then the final domain is your work domain. Okay. Uh, so whether you're stay-at-home or whether you're, you, know, you, you work in an office, you have basically two types of work. You have reactive work and you have reflective work. Hmm. And most people don't make any time for the reflective work. Their yeah. entire day is spent reacting to stuff, mm -hmm. reacting to emails, reacting to notifications, reacting to kids, right? They're constantly on call. And everybody's job does require some element of reactive work. I get that, right? If, if you work in an office, you are expected to pick up the phone from certain hours. If you are a stay-at-home parent, you're expected to react to what your kids need during certain hours. But don't make that your entire day. Have some time in your day reserved for thinking, for thinking. Mm. So many people go through their entire day without even a minute of reflective work. And you have got to be able to plan that time and protect it, keep it sacred, even if it's 30 minutes a day. Because remember, you know, we call it paying attention for a reason. We don't give attention, we pay attention. So just like we wouldn't you know, stand on a street corner and pay with dollars and cents to whoever asks for it, right? Somebody comes by and says, give me, give me $100. You don't say, okay, sure, here you go, because we're judicious about how we spend our money. We don't pay money to anybody who asks it. Yeah. We ask if we're getting something valuable in return. And yet when it comes to our time and our attention, hmm. hey, banks open. Come take, come steal as much of it as you want. Oh, you, you, you need something? No problem. Here's my time and attention. Go ahead, take as much of it as you want. And so we need to be careful about how we spend our time because it is a very finite resource. I don't care how much money you have. You could be Bill Gates or, or Jeff Bezos and have billions of dollars in the bank. You still have the same 24 hours in a day as everybody else has. And so we have to be judicious about how we spend our time by turning our values into time. Uh, that's the second step to becoming indistractable. And, and by the way, we, we adjust this, by the way, you know, week to week, once we make our time box calendar, and I'll give you a link to a special tool I built oh, uh, that you can put in the show notes to make this super easy. It's absolutely free. You don't have to sign up for anything. But the idea here is that, is that once you start making this time box calendar, it, it's exactly as you say, it's not about every 15 minutes. It can be about big chunks of time. I do the same thing with my daughter. So tomorrow I have three hours with my daughter in the afternoon. Now, why is that important to plan? Here's the thing. Part of my values are to be a loving father, right? That's one of the attributes of the person I want to become. And so a loving father spends time with their kids. And if I don't plan that time, there is a risk that I will not make that time. I'll do something else because planning the three hours, I don't know what I'm going to do with my daughter. Maybe we'll go to the museum. Maybe we'll go to the park. Maybe we'll go fly a kite. I don't know. 
But here's what I know we will not be doing. We will not be checking email. I will not be uh, talking on the phone. I will not be distracted with something else because I know I have carved out that time to spend with my kid. And then for that three hours, I can be completely reactive. I can do whatever it is she wants to do because that time is carved out for her. Absolutely. I think that is key too. What you're not going to do yep. during a time yep. is, is probably even more important than what you're saying you're going to do. Um, and with that is that discomfort people have of making trade-offs. They have to get uncomfortable and with making trade-offs, they have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with trade-offs because you can't do That's all right. the things at all the times. Um, okay. Which so is this why is, I hate the do list, by the way. Oh, you're making so many good hey, points. I'm so sorry to jump in. No, please. <laughs> no. I hate the do list yeah. because with a to-do list, it's infinite. I just keep adding, you know, I want this. I want to do that. I should do that. A calendar imposes a constraint. You, you can't yeah. go over 24 hours a day. It has to come at the expense of something, which is why I think uh, making time box calendars are so much better than to-do lists. Yeah, I had a guest on, his name is Stephen Lawson, and he's the owner of Monk Manual. It's a great planner, but we use this time block system as part of it. But he says, you know, time, how does he say this? Time is finite, to-do lists are forever. That really is true, right? They, so true. You will never be done. You'll never yes. be done with what's, and what's on your ever finishes. Right. If, if you if you bought a phone at the store and then you brought it home and every day it crashed, right? The operating system of your phone crashed every single day. Wouldn't you go back to the store and say, hey, this phone isn't working. And yet our life operating system, when you keep a to do list every day, I don't know one person. I've never met anybody who finishes everything on their to do list. Their operating system crashes every day and we never consider, hey, maybe the system isn't working so well. Maybe I should find a different way to do things. Absolutely. Um, the next, the next thing I kind of want to talk about too, but one, I want to, again, redirect people to your book because there are, there are so many more hacks as you call them to, to take back these triggers and to really work on things. Um, and it also gives you more possibility. Cause I think a lot of people might be listening to this and think, oh, that doesn't work for me or, well, this mm-hmm. excuse, and we want to honor you and whatever you're going through, but kind of think in terms of possibility, like there, there, there are possibilities for you. There are options. And this book, gives a lot of them. Um, but what I did want to talk about is how to deal with setbacks. Um, I thought it was really profound how you did that. We kind of live in a world of toxic positivity, you know, where a lot of thought leaders, especially in the self-development world are just like, choose your day, choose your reality, like do things. And then they kind of ignore the anxiety or the depression or the overwhelm and the missteps that come along the way and how to actually deal with that in a way that's going to still propel you forward. Instead of thinking, well, I didn't choose my reality today. I'm a piece of crap. No, how do you deal with setbacks? I love how you talk about this, Nir. Absolutely. Yeah, this, so this is incredibly important because uh, we do see that there is a type of person who does tend to fall off the wagon, who doesn't uh, stick to this. And that person, it's interesting, it's not the kind of person who has low self-control or doesn't have enough willpower that, you know, even right now in the psychology community, we're even debating whether willpower is a real thing. <laughs> it may not even I know, really I read that part and I was like, oh but, man, I just... I just shared about that scientific study on my podcast like a month ago, the one that you debunked. And I was like, Oh no, but yes. that's And so so it turns out the people who, who do fall off the wagon and don't get back on, you know, what the defining trait is people who lack self-compassion. Yeah. That self-compassion people who are, who are more likely to give themselves self-compassion are much more likely to accomplish their long-term goals. Because what, what happens is, you know, people tend to fall into these two buckets when it comes to distraction. I call them the blamers and okay. the shamers. Huh. The blamers 
they blame stuff outside themselves. Oh, it's Facebook. Oh, it's the world these days. It's, you know, they blame everything outside themselves. But of course, that's futile because yep. you can't change that stuff, right? We can't hop into a time machine and go back in time. These things, this, the world is the way it is. And then you have the shamers. The shamers, they don't complain about stuff outside themselves. They take it on the inside, right? They shame themselves. Oh, you see, I'm there. I, I go again. I'm so lazy. I have a short attention span. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. They shame themselves. And of course that doesn't work either because the more shame you feel, the more internal triggers you feel and the more internal triggers you feel, the more likely you are to use more distraction to take mm-hmm. your mind off of that uncomfortable emotional state. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't work either. So we don't want to be uh, blamers. We don't want to be shamers. We want to be claimers. Claimers okay. claim responsibility not for their urges and feelings. This is a really important point. Okay. People think okay. they can control their urges and feelings. That's not true. You cannot control your urges and feelings any more than you control the urge to sneeze. Right? Mm-hmm. If I have the urge to sneeze suddenly, I can't rewind that. I don't control the urge to sneeze. I already had the urge. All I can do is to choose how I respond to that urge, hence the term responsibility. Mm-hmm. So the responsible thing to do when I feel the urge to sneeze is to grab a handkerchief and cover my face so I don't sneeze all over everyone. That's how I can respond to that, that urge, that sensation. The same goes with our feelings. We can choose how we respond to boredom, loneliness, fatigue, stress, anxiety. Do we choose to escape that sensation? Do we choose to to take our minds away from that sensation? Or can we actually use that uncomfortable sensation as rocket fuel to propel us towards traction rather than distraction? So the way we cultivate self-compassion, it's actually very simple. The way we cultivate self-compassion is to talk to ourselves the way we would talk to a good friend. That's it. It's yeah. that easy. Hmm. And, and it sounds so simple, but you know, it, when I learned this, and, and this, this is backed by peer-reviewed studies, it, you know, I, I realized that I would, I would be such a bully to myself. I mean, I would say things to myself that I would never say to a good friend, right? Yes. That uh, when, I, when I got distracted with my daughter, I'm the worst dad in the world. Uh, you know, this was a bad idea. I, I'm, I'm such a horrible person. How could I let myself do this? And I would guilt myself and shame myself. And I would never do that to a friend, right? I wouldn't talk to my, to my, my good friend that way. I would be more compassionate. So remembering that simple rule of, of allowing yourself to talk to yourself the way you would talk to a good friend and realize that, you know, this is a step process, that there are four steps to becoming indistractable. And we can take tiny steps every day to implement these four techniques. We talked about two of them, mastering the internal triggers and making time for traction, but whether it's hacking back the external triggers, the third step around finding the the external triggers in our environment and doing small things to hack those backs to to make sure they serve us as opposed to us serving them. And then the last technique that we didn't have time to talk much about is about preventing distraction with pacts where we're making promises with ourselves, with other people, even with our technology, believe it or not, in such a way that prevents us as a last line of defense, as the firewall from getting distracted to make these pre-commitments with with our devices, so to speak, and with ourselves. And it's using these four techniques in concert, which anybody can do. uh, That's how we become indistractable. And speaking of that, you know, how we can become indistractable. Is there ever a point where you just like arrive (laughs) where you're like, oh, I'm it. I'm, I'm fully indistractable. Like I'm there. 
Yeah. So it depends how you define indistractable. So the nice thing is I made up the word. Yeah. <laughs> so the word, I made up indistractable so I can Why define not? it any way I want. So uh, becoming indistractable doesn't mean you never get distracted. As I, as I said earlier, everybody gets distracted from time to time because something really unexpected happens, you know, for the first time and you didn't, you know, it, it, if it happens the first time, you get a free pass. It's the second time that we have to do something about it. So becoming indistractable doesn't mean you never get distracted. It means you strive to do what you say you're going to do. You strive to live with personal integrity. So I still get distracted from time to time, you know, especially with this whole COVID situation. Things happen that have never happened before. Yes. But again, the idea is to learn from them so that we don't keep getting distracted uh, again and again from them. So you never, you never are done. It's a process. It's almost like saying, um, you know, you can learn to be more creative, but you're never done being creative. You, you apply that skill to the various domains of your life. Absolutely. I have an organization course and it's different because um, people just arrive thinking they're just going to get a lot of techniques. And one of the mm-hmm. things I talk about often in it is it's, you're never going to be done. A good organizer right. is someone who always revisits systems, spaces, and, and just keeps trying. And yes, it has to have that self-compassion piece to it, or else you're going to not identify as being an organizer. But that's so much of what I love about what you do too, is this connection be, you know, back to identity, really owning who we are and who we want to be. And that is power. I mean, that's where we can really start. So Nir, I have a, a final question for you. And it's, it, I just want to hear more of like the human of what you're working on right now. You know, what are you trying to aspire um, in, in your life and who you want to be? Yeah, so my, my dream with, with Indistractable, uh, and, and that's all I'm working on right now. It took me five years to write this book. Uh, it's been a, a, a long personal journey. Uh, the for reason sure. it took me five years to write this book is because for the first three, I kept getting distracted <laughs> right? until I learned awesome. these techniques. And I, I didn't, there wasn't a book at the time that taught me how to do this. I had to go find the research yes. and, and put together the methodology, try it on myself. I worked with you know, hundreds of clients and people over the years mm-hmm. who, who have used these techniques. So it took me a long time to figure out this methodology. And now that I have, it's, it's completely changed my life. Uh, I'm wow. 42 years old and I'm in the best shape physically that I've ever been because I actually work out when I say I will and I eat healthy because I said I will. Uh, I'm I'm a better relationship with my wife. We've been married now for 18 years and we've never been closer because I do what I say I'm going to do for her. Right. So Mm. she can depend upon me. Um, with my daughter, I have a better relationship than ever because also, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier to have a close relationship when we are fully present with the people we love. Uh, and it's super important to me that I raise a child who is indistractable because, you know, if if you think the world is distracting now, (laughs) just wait a few years, the world that our kids inherit is only going to be more distracting. So it's, mm. it's, it's incredibly important to teach our kids how to be indistractable themselves. Um, so my goal is to really you know, spread this message so that someday, you know, my dream is that I hear somebody use the word indistractable to describe themselves the way I describe myself without knowing that I came up with that term, right? Yeah. Like if this becomes part of the conversation, if this becomes part an identity, as you said, uh, that's really the mission here. That's really what I'm working towards because when we have that moniker, when we have that identity, it actually helps us conform to our values. And, and this actually comes from the psychology of religion that when someone calls themselves a devout Christian or uh, uh, even even a, a, a vegetarian, right? A, a vegetarian doesn't wake up in the morning and say, hmm, uh, should I have a bacon sandwich for breakfast? They, they, they know yeah, that's they off limits because of who they are. Hmm. So it's 
It's the same way for becoming indistractable. That's why the book is, is called what it is, because that becomes our new moniker. That becomes our new identity that helps us become the people we want to be. Well, I'm grateful I get to be a small part of sharing your mission here and the methodology too. It's just, it's so brilliant. I love the four-step process too. And I love how doable it is. Um, so I just want to honor you and thank you so much. And I want to make sure we send people the right direction. So if they want to learn more first, I'd say pick up the book. We'll link that in the show notes, but what else can they do to connect with you better? Absolutely. Yeah. So my uh, blog is at nearandfar.com and near is spelled like my first name. So that's N-I-R and far.com. And uh, there's actually a, 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 a bonus uh, material on the site that we actually couldn't fit into the final edition of the book. There's an 80 oh, yeah. page workbook that's completely complimentary. Anybody can get it. You don't have to buy the book. Uh, and that's at nearandfar.com. And also there's that schedule maker tool, which will walk you through exactly if you're interested in making a time box calendar, you know, a lot of people think it's a lot of heavy lifting, maybe take you 20 minutes to make one. Uh, and I'll give the link for the, in the show notes. I'll, I'll tell it to you right now as well. It's nearandfar.com forward slash schedule hyphen maker nearandfar.com forward slash schedule hyphen maker totally free i just built the tool because i kept getting asked this question about well, where do i get started with timebox calendar you don't yeah. have to sign up for anything not even your email it's just there for you brilliant all right near this is probably the most notes i've taken in an interview in a long time and definitely is topping <laughs> um, my favorite interviews and i've interviewed well over 200 people at this point so i just again <laughs> Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to be on the show, for writing this book and all you do. And we're now your biggest fans. So thank you. Oh, I really appreciate it. I wish the listeners could see the book. I love you. You sent me a picture of the book and I can see it there, the, all the oh, tabs yeah. and notes. It's well-loved. Nothing, nothing makes me happier than to see someone actually apply this. Thank you so much. I know I don't even have to say this, but I hope that episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow because I know it certainly did for me. Let's dig in to the progress pointers from this episode. And this is where I share the notes I took during our interview so you don't have to. Number one, to understand distraction, you need to know what distraction is not. Two, the opposite of distraction is action. It can pull you towards or away from what you say you want to do. Three, any action can become distraction, and any distraction can become traction. Four, the difference between traction and distraction is forethought, in other words, intention. Five, distraction is not new. Six, actions are neutral. Where they take you is important, but what drives you is essential. Seven, triggers are both internal and external. Most distraction begins with the inner uncomfortable states we want to escape from. Eight, a lot of distractions are not your fault, but they're still your responsibility. Nine, we can impose structure to counteract the reactions. Ten, an indistractable person understands why they are distracted and then they do something about it. Eleven, make an implementation intention. Decide in advance how you want to spend your time in alignment with your values. Twelve, turn your values into time. Thirteen, Start with tomorrow. How would the person I want to become go after their distractions? 14 categories to focus on reflective work are self, relationships, and work. 15 self-compassion is the key to accomplishing long-term growth. 16 are you a blamer or a shamer? Instead, be a claimer, not of urges or feelings, but how you'll respond, aka responsibility. And 17 to be indistractable, strive to live and do what you say you are going to do. 
Now, friends, I know that was quite a lot. If you want this all as a free and downloadable graphic, you can go to aboutprogress.com slash go-getter. And every single interview I do that week in my weekly go-getter newsletter, you get the graphics of that week's progress pointers. And at the end of the month, you get all the other progress pointers from the month prior. Again, go to aboutprogress.com slash go-getter to get that all in your inbox inbox every single week. A lot of the language that Nir used really was just our community. It kind of felt like one of those moments where you felt like, how is this happening? Like all the things I've been working on and learning on learning about my whole life and putting into action for myself and my community, this person has also researched it and knows it and is living it. Um, it really was a magical interview for me and I really hope that we can have Nir back again. I want to give you a little shout out here. So many of you have been leaving me ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, which has been hugely helpful for the show. Thank you so much. And the best thing you can do besides doing that rating and review alongside of it actually is to share the show. If this was an episode that really struck you deep and helped you in ways that you were really looking for, I want you to share it. You could do that in a text, an email, you can share it on social media. And if you do that latter one, please make sure you tag me. I would love to meet you and say thank you there. Thank you so much for listening for this whole interview. It was one of my favorites for sure. Be sure to sign up for our free class on habits that are starting next week. I have three sessions of the same class. Go to aboutprogress.com slash free class to sign up. Everything is in the show notes, both for that and for Nir, who I really hope you follow and make sure you go and buy his book, Indistractable. It is one you will not regret reading. Thank you very much for listening, for being here and being a part of the About Progress community. It means so much to me keep growing and remember that life is about progress, not perfection. So, oh, Nir, tell me your full name. Everyone pronounces my last name wrong. So I'm sure you have the same experience. So, (laughs) so tell me your full name here while we. Yeah. It's Nir Eyal. Eyal. Okay. Right. You know, it's funny. I, I looked up and they told me e all yeah yeah it, it's it's yeah it's very common so as long as you get the first name right that's the important part because you know yeah, I, yeah. I made my blog near and far yes to, i saw that to tell people how to pronounce my and you would not believe how many people they still get, get it wrong that. oh that's yes hilarious. but you know it's funny out. oh go ahead yeah I was going to say, I actually gave a talk uh, before COVID. I was giving a, a speech and uh, the person who introduced me said, okay, now we're going to hear from a, an expert on habit formation. He runs a popular blog called Near and Far. Please welcome Nur. <laughs> oh, no. The, the thing is that person would be me. That's why I have my guests say their name once I press record. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.